Thanks so much to Grammarly for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. Oh, uh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is episode 61, and thank you again for everyone who has continued to support this show up to this point. I still do need your support. Check it out at patreon.com slash Tong. Starting at $2 a month, you could go up to a cup of coffee, which is $5. But the biggest thing, a completely ad-free version of this show by supporting along with other benefits and perks. And you help me continue to do this. So check it out. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Tong. Also, other orders of business. This show is all about you all. Hey, I need you all to call in. I want to hear more from you. Call in at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. I'll give you a moment to even put that down. Or what I'm starting to really see is a big swell, and I love this, people using their voice memos app and then emailing them. They're super crystal clear to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z at gmail.com. And if we start kind of moving towards that direction, I think I might start exclusively doing that as unless all of a sudden I start getting a whole bunch more phone calls like it's up to you guys and gals to kind of determine what direction we go with your feedback because I think that's the part that I love the most hearing from you all you all bring new thoughts and ideas to the table and uh, I love it so thank you for all that let's get right into the show and time has passed it's basically almost been a week since Apple officially canceled the AirPods that's right if you didn't know that well, then I guess maybe my show is the only way that you get your news, but I'm, I'm sure you all pull from different sources. Apple officially has canceled the air power. Surprising, honestly, just really surprising. But time has gone on. I've been able to kind of mellow out about this. Apple made the official announcement on Friday, and I think that was very strategic of them because it allowed kind of the PR storm to just people to kind of like get fired up for a day or two and then get over it, the weekend happens, and then the news cycle moves on, and guess what? You, it's not like you're hearing people talking about the air power that much anymore because it's dead. So I'm not going to really dwell on this or beat it to a bloody pulp, but let's kind of go over a few things here that happen. I'm going to start off with Apple's official statement that they released on Friday. They did not put any news on their website. They released this out to tech news media outlet TechCrunch, And this comes from Dan Riccio, Apple's Senior Vice President of Hardware Engineering. You see him in a lot of the videos from Apple whenever they release new products. Or not. Air power. All right, so this is what Dan Riccio says. After much effort, we've concluded air power will not achieve our high standards, and we have canceled the project. We apologize to those customers who were looking forward to this launch. We continue to believe that the future is wireless and are committed to push the wireless experience forward end statement. So obviously this is a huge disappointment for a lot of people. This is a culmination of a lot of things that I have been saying over the past three, four years that people got mad at me for saying that people said I was hating on Apple, but I was just keeping it real. I've gone into it in depth 
and maybe I'll touch upon it again in a future show of how Apple has changed, but I will just kind of bullet point it right now, how we got here to Apple actually officially announcing a product, having a video segment about it, announcing it to the world, and over a year and a half later, they have said they have to cancel it. Like, this is honestly unprecedented. I can't remember the last time we've ever seen this happen to Apple, let alone any of the major tech companies where they showcase a product, make it kind of a big deal, and then it never comes out. So yeah, that's pretty bad. In fact, of course it is. That is a bad Apple. But beyond that, okay, look, these bullet points that I've said that have been brewing for a long time, lack of innovation, repeated product delays. We had the AirPods, HomePod, AirPower, dead. AirPods 2 delayed, iOS 11, like a, a variety of early announcements that were delayed, a sloppier Apple in general. We've seen that through their software. We've seen this, a lot more issues pop up. Just quality control is at a lower level at Apple. The priority that I talked about, marketing over engineering. Who has won out in Apple to this day, now these days? Apple's marketing is dictating a lot of decisions with products now, not engineering. Otherwise, that wouldn't have happened to the air power. And then really just kind of milking the ecosystem and relying on the slower pace and not really pushing things forward. I mean, those are kind of the big problems or at least ways that the company has easily changed. But I won't go, we'll do a deep dive on that later. But because again, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you've heard my take. But we like to keep it honest here. The funny thing about it is we are all, for the most part, that listen to this, Apple fans or at least own Apple products. So we've seen how this company evolves. We're not going to turn a blind eye. Like a lot of people get mad at me, I guess specifically on YouTube. Oh, why are you hating on Apple? Or you, all you do is complain about Apple. But those are the people that probably don't understand the whole context of everything that I present and where I come, the perspective I come from. All right, so we have those issues that led to the air power being canceled, really. Those, it's a kind of a culmination of how Apple has changed. I'm just telling you right now, it sounds horrible, but we say it again. This wouldn't have happened under SJ. It just wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. And if they and if it did, they wouldn't have just completely killed the product. Like in my opinion, okay, fine. Let's say you can't make the air power work. There are a variety of reports that the coil system that they used overlapping, covering multiple areas of the map, caused the air power to overheat. We no one wants an air power that blows up. But my my solution would be, you know what? Admit that you couldn't get that done and then pivot and work on a different product. Let's say, fine, don't make it cover three products that you could potentially toss anywhere on the mat. Just make it an air power mat that looks sexy from Apple that still has the software capability for the iPhone to showcase all the battery levels of all the devices on there. Fine, just make it for two. But don't scrap it. Make it thicker so that it can cool better but still release an air power or something like that and just admit, fine, but don't completely scrap it. I know it's hard to pivot like that. I know it takes time, but again, Apple showcases to the world, which means who had to sign off on that? Was it marketing or engineering? If it was engineering, they would have said, we're not sure if we can get this done in time. We do believe that we are one of the best companies in the world and we will do everything we can to make it work. But are you, I, my hunch, seeing how Apple's philosophy has changed, is that marketing said, and because marketing is, is just a, sometimes can be a lot of smoke and mirrors, they're like, we're going to do this 
So let's show the world this and it's going to be fine. We're Apple. It's going to work out. Engineering was probably like, well, it's not as easy as you think, but we should be able to do it. Remember, this was supposed to come out at the end, I think roughly at the end of the year in, was it? Yeah. End of the year of 2017. Is that kind of how they said it would, and then it started disappearing? Yeah. So completely agree with the other side of the coin. Better not to release a poor product at all. But my take is don't even announce a product that's not ready, right? There's two ways to look at it. You have a lot of the apologists that have been saying, oh, well, I'm so glad they didn't release a crappy product. I can save money. That's fine. You could save money also if you just choose not to buy it when it comes out. But I think they could have done something different. It still would have looked bad, but I think, look, the biggest thing that I feel is the biggest black eye that no one is really talking about about this whole air power issue is think about how sketchy this is. All right, so the new AirPods mention air power on it in text saying that it'll support it with wireless charging. That's fine. The If you were someone who bought the just the standalone wireless charging case to update your current first-gen AirPods and just get a wireless charging case, on the back it shows the AirPod power on it. It's a feature that, hey, you can use this. But this is my biggest issue with this whole entire thing. They had they announced airpods the new airpods they released them basically a week before the air power cancellation announcement and why is that completely jacked well there's a whole lot of people that ended up buying the new airpods or updating their new airpods hoping and thinking that yeah i'm going to get these because apple is still going to release the air power So you have people that bought new AirPods and were clearly influenced by the idea and thinking that AirPower is coming and they would eventually be able to use that. But guess what? A week later, Apple canceled the AirPower. Do you think that Apple just all of a sudden, seven days later said, oh man, I guess we can't do the AirPower. They knew, they knew that AirPower wasn't going to happen and they still let people think that airpods 2 were gonna work with them oh hell no that's a bad apple that's a that's a shady ass apple that is just shady and i really that's what really irked me people spending their good hard money under a different premise this is a different apple guys and gals this is this is a different beast that we're dealing with so you know what I'm going to move on from that. Air Power's dead. It's probably the last time we'll hear about, but it's one of the biggest black eyes I've ever seen from the company and an indication of all the things that I have been bringing up over the past four years all coming to a head and finally manifesting itself in what happened with the Air Power. So what's next, right? People are joking. MKBHD was like, oh, the Mac Pro hasn't come out. Is that going to get canceled? I think that's a completely different situation. The Mac Pro... Is a, is a computer that they had to build from the ground up. If it is a modular tower, it's a, you can't put something out like that that's quality in, the, in less than a year. So I'm going to give them this two-year window to show us a legitimate Mac Pro. We'll see if they deliver. We'll see with what they do. But this air power thing, yeah, time has gone on. A lot of people have kind of, I don't want to say forgotten about it, but they got over it. Apple strategically released that news on Friday 
so that the weekend happens, everyone goes on with their lives, and just because of the news media cycle, you kind of be like, okay, air power's that. But if it was Monday, if it was a Monday and they released that news, I think you would have heard about the entire week. It's smart, smart PR. Horrible business, horrible you know, decision for consumers that are fans that were under the premise that air power was coming, and they decided to update their AirPods just as one of those motivating factors. But that's what happened. So we move on, and honestly, I'll tell you what I'm more excited about is the new Power Beats Pro. Now, for those of you that aren't so hot on the Beats brand, I'll at least tell you as someone who works out and I've featured them in my videos, people are like, what are those on your ears? I've been a big fan of the Power Beats line. They have kind of a wraparound over the ear design that fits, that holds onto your ear. It doesn't feel bulky. They basically disappear once you wear them. The only thing that you could feel is that they pass models connected through the back through the wire. They are have always been superior sounding to any Apple headphones. That's why I love them in the beginning. That's why I had the first gen ones that had the long wire on it. The third generation ones sounded better than AirPods. They have kind of a deeper sound. They do bring a little oomph and bass, but because they're earbuds, it's not too heavy. I think with the big beats, um, you know, what is it? Not the solos, but the big beats over the ear headphones, though those are pretty bass heavy. But anyways, the Power Beats Pro are have been announced by Beats. Again, Apple acquired Beats. They're completely wireless now. There's no wire covering connecting them at all. They look awesome. They look super elegant. I honestly prefer them to the AirPods. Some people will like, oh, it looks like you're wearing a hearing aid. I'm like, so what? It actually looks way it actually to me looks so much sleeker and elegant and modern compared to the AirPods. You should all check them out. The biggest thing, they will cost $249. Not $199, $249. But I'll tell you right now, they sound better. I use them to work out exclusively, so that's that's why like I, you know, you're at the gym, you're running, you're doing a shoot around. They're also going to fit better because they come with adjustable, you know, they come with the different ear tips. That's that's going to be better. They're going to have better battery life than the AirPods. I think talk time on the AirPods, the second generation around five hours, if I recall. These are going to have nine hours. The other thing about this, it includes all the tech that the AirPods have. The Apple H1 chip, so to use the hands-free yo siri command and also quicker switching between apple devices although i still don't know how much quicker we really needed that the fit i think the fit has always felt better and they and they seal off sound better they're better for noise canceling this is not an advertisement for the power beats pro but i'm just telling you they're amazing they're going to come down to really the look and design but check them out i think that a lot of people will be surprised by this. A lot of, you know, the the wire, the case they come in charges them, but it's not a wireless charging case like the AirPods. You'll still have to connect through Lightning. That actually doesn't bother bother me at all. And I'll just wait till they officially come out um, but to check out the call quality. But I think they're going to be pretty awesome. I will say that it is easier to put in AirPods on your ears because you just pop them in. With this, you kind of have to wrap it around your ear. So it takes kind of like a an extra little moment for adjustment. But I've already, you know, I'm going to I'm going to review and compare them, but I can already tell 
I'm probably going to be on Team Power Beats Pro. I just, just because they're more functional and everything. So, it, you know, we're already like looking past AirPower. AirPower is dead. It's gone. I'm already talking about Power Beats Pro and AirPods 2. That's just the way the, the news cycle works. Now, if we go back to the AirPower, though, a big issue there. This issue, I've talked about it, but I've tried not to like overdo it a lot, but I have mentioned it multiple times. Apple's MacBook keyboards. I've said it from day one when I saw them. I said it from day two when I used it. They're terrible. Terrible. Nothing compared to the MacBook Pros that you had, I believe, let's say, I think around maybe 2015, where you had that bounce, that great responsiveness. Apple wanted to make a lower profile, more shallow keyboard. All right, they, they really touted it as like the best keyboard, blah, blah, blah. Right when I use them, like this keyboard is not even close to what we used to have. It's a step back. A lot of people would come at me and said, the keyboard's just fine. And I'm like, just use a 2015 MacBook Pro keyboard and let me know which one, tell me which one is better. Just tell me, be honest with yourself. Well, Apple has finally apologized for its continued reliability problems with its MacBook keyboards. And why did this come up? Why has Apple never addressed it when users that know, that are in the know, have been complaining about this forever? If you even saw, uh, I did a recent video about my wish list for the new rumored 16-inch MacBook Pro. I had uh, I had Ray Wong from Mashable come on as a guest to talk about our favorite wish list. And the bit, one of the big topics we talked about, that keyboard. Fix that damn keyboard. So Apple's apologizing for continued reliability problems because Joanna Stern at the Wall Street Journal basically did an article scathing its keyboard about how two of the key letters, I, I can't remember off the top of my head were, but I think it was like the R and the E's just absolutely stopped working. And it started getting shared by social media. It started becoming a big deal. And so Apple said in a statement, to Stern, we are aware that a small number of users are having issues with their third generation butterfly keyboard, and for that, we are sorry. The vast majority of Mac notebook customers are having a positive experience with the new keyboard. Well, we heard, right, the there were a lot of issues where people were getting things, crumbs, dust of sand, grains, things stuck under the keyboards, keys stopped working, so then they added this membrane between where the key pushes down. Uh, to hopefully avoid getting things stuck in the mechanism, right? It was this like rubber membrane, but that really hasn't, it's helped a little bit. Apple also decided to launch this extended repairs program for all styles of the butterfly switch keyboard before the rubber membrane was implemented. So if you have, uh, I think, any MacBook Pro that was released in 2018 and after, you're not eligible for this program. But if you have earlier MacBook Pros or MacBooks that have keyboard issues before 2018, basically, you can take it into a shop, an Apple store, and get it serviced. But this is this is their flagship, really. The MacBook Pro line or MacBooks is their flagship Mac. And they have a crappy keyboard on it. I... Yes, it does the job, but it it's not up to par. Uh, I would challenge you to feel out, uh, is it the Dell XPS 13, their latest one? That's a keyboard. 
They've even done really cool things with the power adapter of how it wraps around it and is more compact. I mean, it's just one of those things. You got to look outside and see what other people are doing and stop just making excuses for them when we've got it. We've, we deserve better products. I, I think another issue that's happening, I remember telling you about my MacBook Pro and its speakers getting blown out issue. Well, my speakers finally blew out randomly because the MacBook Pro just freaked out and started making all these like weird tone siren sounds and completely, completely blew out my speaker. Thank goodness my headphone jack works because, and thank goodness they have a headphone jack because that's how I edit video, but people still aren't talking about that enough and it's happening to a good amount of people where their speakers are getting blown out on their new 2018 MacBook Pros. That costs lots and lots of money. I'll, I'll, I'll wait in here and apologize. If I, if I was big enough, trust me, they probably would have released a statement if I put out a, a story about that. But we move on. It, again, there's a lot of things going on Apple, and I think that it's going to take a lot this year to shift momentum. And yeah, the general consumer, we all are still like buying in, but we'll see what happens with their iPhone. We'll see what happens with their new MacBook Pros if they release one this year. I really think they should. If there is a 16-inch MacBook Pro, they better bring a brand new keyboard and a legitimately good one. A Mac Pro. This year's all about the Pros, I feel like, but we'll see. All right. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top pros, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Now, Grammarly, if you don't know, it's a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. So you can start off this year by improving yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere else with Grammarly. It's available across platforms, including your online browser extension, a desktop editor, and a mobile keyboard checker. Some of the key features, well, Grammarly is available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and all platforms, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, and the free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. Now, the premium version of Grammarly looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation structure, style with context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions, whether it's a business proposal or academic essay. And trust me, I know I need all of the above. Now, you can stop making email typos on your phone, close more deals at work this year with your emails, and polish your resume to get that new job. Grammarly is going to help you accomplish that. Now, I actually installed the plugin on my browser, and what I found, which was awesome, is it literally worked instantly, whether it was um, with my email client, on Twitter, on, um, on YouTube comments. Like Grammarly, they underline the stuff that clearly wasn't grammatically correct and uh, suggested the other solutions. So think of like a spell check with grammar check on steroids. That's really what Grammarly is. So you also have the premium account and there's some cool things in there. Punctuation and contextual spell checker was cool. There's also plagiarism detection. So you can't really get away with copying that report and it still works across the web. So go to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. All right, since we're talking about iPhones, we talked about, we always, I guess we almost always talk about iPhones. Guess what? There are new rumors. There's a whole bunch of rumor mills 
floating around about what's going on there. The latest crop of stories is kind of to get you up to speed of what's going on. According to Digitimes, a report from this week says that Apple will release, surprise, three OLED phones in 2020. So that means they will no longer have the LCD model iPhone XR. It appears that they'll have three OLED phones in screen sizes of 5.42, 6.06, and 6.67 inches, according to the report. Now, remember last year's model, like iPhone model line, were two OLED phones, 5.8 inch and a 6.5 inch screen, and then one LCD model, the iPhone XR, which was at 6.1. So, there you go. The smallest iPhone model coming in 2020 will reportedly include a Samsung or LG touchscreen tech that is going to allow to make the display of the phone thinner and hopefully the phone itself thinner. We'll see how we'll see how the, all that plays out. Also leaked photos of the potential chassis of the 2019 phone appeared on Chinese social media showing three holes which would resemble three spots for the rumored three camera lens in that top right corner there. There were a lot of pictures leaked out that would show kind of like a big boxy corner. Like I called it the patch, the square. It, it, it looks bad. But if this chassis is what is believed to be true, then that's what it's going to be. Ugh. It it looks horrible. It looks like a, if you've seen that product called Tile, it's a little square that is a Bluetooth kind of a location device you could put on your keychains, put on other products, put on your put on your pet, put on your significant other if you want to know what they're up to all the time. It looks like you just glued on a tile to the to an iPhone if this is what it is. Based on some early renders that people had been throwing around in January. We'll see. Also Apple this rumor came out a while ago but Analyst Ming-Chi Kuo has again confirmed that from his reports, two-way wireless charging and larger batteries are coming to the 2019 iPhone. So Samsung Galaxy S10 allows you to charge using the back of the phone, whether it's their their Galaxy Buds or even another iPhone or AirPods 2. God. Yes, two-way wireless charging or bilateral charging expected to come. It'll let Qi-based iPhones charge another, um, and yes, other Qi-based products. Okay, that's cool. Also, this is going to be interesting. We've talked about Apple's beef with Qualcomm and how that relationship has completely disintegrated. Um, They're still settling in court. It's going back and forth. Once there is the official, official settlement, we'll get back to it because it's kind of not the most fun stuff to hear about other than what, you know, they're both suing each other for different things and trying to get money from each other over patents and pricing. It's fun, fun stuff. All right. So here's how it also might affect us, the consumer in the long run. Now, Apple is obviously planning to release a 5G iPhone sometime in 2020. That's based on the reports that are all out there. But... That could be an issue due to Intel delays. Now, if you recall right, Apple has been transitioning to Intel-based modems. They did it with the iPhone XS line. During when the iPhone X came out, there were kind of two, um, if I would recall right, depending on which phone you used, depending on the carrier, 
uh, there were kind of two flavors of the modem being used. There was the Qualcomm one versus the Intel one. Now, before that, Apple had exclusively been using Qualcomm-based modems. And I 100% felt it right away when that switched happened on my route when I used to live in San Francisco Bay Area on my bus route where um, signal wasn't nearly as good. It would drop off in areas that didn't. When I had one bar, I couldn't get a signal. While when I had a Qualcomm-based phone, even if you had one bar connection, you could still, you still had a connection. Intel-based modems, not nearly as good. So, citing a source with knowledge of Intel and Apple's relationship, a fast company report says that Intel has been missing their developmental deadlines on their 5G chip, and Apple is losing confidence in them because of this. And the reason why, like, if they're missing their deadlines for their XMM8160 5G modem, Apple is counting on this chip to bring 5G connectivity to its iPhone lineup in 2020. And here's the thing. If they don't deliver, and this is a big if, it's not like Apple can just kind of go, go, hey, we're, we're just going to go back to Qualcomm. Um, yeah, Qualcomm and them, Qualcomm, the best modem chip in the business right now, they're not, they're not on talking terms. <laughs> they're not friends at all. So for a September 2020 launch, sample chips need to be provided to Apple this summer and a finished modem design needs to be available by the beginning of 2020. I mean, if they slip by a month or two, that we may not even, could you imagine if we see a 5G iPhone in 2021? And I'm sorry, based on their track history and their record of product delays and mismanagement, I wouldn't be surprised. They, they have to really show us and turn this boat around that they can deliver. Intel says its chips will be ready for mobile devices by 2020. But Apple, in the report, has been holding talks with Samsung and MediaTek, two other companies, about potentially supplying modem chips in the near term for them. But uh, neither of those two companies have chips ready for 2020. Guess what would make the most business sense, guys? Go back to Qualcomm on their knees, begging. Who knows? But these legal, this whole legal beef between them, it's just not going to happen. We've heard about Apple trying to uh, work on developing their own chips in-house, specifically even modem chips, because they don't want to rely on anybody, quite honestly, which is smart. But there's no way those chips are going to be ready in time for a 2025G launch. So let's just keep an eye on this one. It, it sounds, it, it's, it's a little worrisome, if you ask me. 5G on an iPhone, guys and gals. It's never been done before. We will be waiting. <laughs> All right. Uh, some Apple Watch news. Japan Display is planning to supply new OLED screens for the Apple Watch Series 5. We don't expect any form factor design. Quite honestly, that Apple Watch Series 4 is so good. I love that thing. I legitimately love that product. It took four years to get there. I keep on saying that, but that is a great product. Don't expect them to change the actual design, but Japan Display will be supplying OLED screens for the new Apple Watch Series 5, according to reports from Reuters. Um, in some other Apple news, Apple Watch news, maybe not so good. A class action lawsuit has been filed against Apple this week in a U.S. district court accusing Apple of fraudulent business practices and a breach of warranty. This is regarding, remember the uh, Apple Watch Series 2 swollen battery issue? 
that was honestly a bigger deal than people realize. But Apple, the lawsuit says that Apple knew that they were defective before selling them, presenting a significant safety hazard to customers. I've heard a lot of people who had, and when I say a lot, fine, at least four or five people who told me they had issues with their Apple Watch um, swelling and damaging and being damaged because of this. You'd have issues where the screen kind of like detached from the body of the Apple Watch and cracked because uh, the battery inside had swelled. So we'll see how that all plays out. I mean, class action lawsuits these days against Apple feel like they happen all the time, but just something to throw out there. Again, though, Apple Watch Series 4, that thing is... I don't know how you... I, I You know, maybe I'm valuing it too high, but I really think it's an amazing product now. Now it is. So, hey, I had told you all to call in, leave your name, number, and message. <laughs> just just leave your messages. 833-888-ABXL-2295. 833-888-ABXL-2295. That's the way to be a part of the show. Also, uh... This is, my brother has had this on multiple iPads, new and old. A growing number of iPad owners are complaining of screen stuttering issues. So some owners who have 2017 and 2018 models have been running issues into screen stuttering based on a variety of forums and a slew of threads on both the Apple support communities and the Mac rumors forums. Sometimes it just doesn't register touch gestures or stutters when scrolling it misses keystrokes and other similar issues i can tell you that that happened with my at uh once in a while with my 2017 ipad pro my 12.9 and people are saying hey what's going on with the display it's just something to be aware of and i think that if you are experiencing the same thing let us know you know it reminded me of kind of some of the touchscreen issues that the iphones had like iPhone 10s were having. My iPhone 10 experienced it too. It was just laggy and sometimes just was unresponsive. Like, what is going on here? What is going on? All right, also, if we talk about Apple News Service, right? Remember, Apple announced Apple News Plus. Was it, a, was it literally a week ago or was it two weeks ago? Time flies. I feel like, yeah, I guess now it's almost been two weeks. According to a report from the New York Times, over 200,000 people Subscribe to Apple News Plus in the first 48 hours after the launch. Again, those are probably people that are trying out the free subscription model. Uh, I believe it's free for a month. If I'm wrong, if it was seven days, let me know. But I think it was free for a month because the reason why I say that is I actually already canceled my Apple News Plus. I wanted to try it, but I didn't use it any different. And I thought it wouldn't be for me and I wanted it to be for me. But, uh, you know, I just really didn't use it and for someone that has a lot of things that they're juggling on their plate it it does take time to sit down and read magazines that you don't really care about just just because so i did check out the service multiple times but it wasn't like i kept on going back to use it so for me apple news plus not for me i'm more of a comic books junkie and then i'll read like empire and wired that's kind of that's kind of my digital uh i guess digital paper or digital magazine slash comic book consumption it, unfortunately it's not apple news plus but that doesn't mean it's not for me and remember we talked about it last week with uh 
Gil, who was an awesome guest. A lot of you people had some great things to say about him. So we will definitely bring back Gil to the show. Uh, the Wall Street Journal gives you limited access, but not complete access to all of their articles, which also leads to kind of another story about how Apple was really courting hard the New York Times and the Washington Post. Now, Apple said, hey, we'll do a 50-50 revenue split. We'll get you way more subscribers. And that's when the New York Times rolled their eyes because they charge $15 per month for a basic digital subscription. They get to keep all the customer info and 100% of the revenue brought in. The Washington Post charges $10 per month. They also get to keep 100% of the revenue brought in by those subscriptions. The You're telling me that twice the amount of people would end up just subscribing to those and they would make half that amount. They're going to just go to those outlets. Like half the amount you would make and you don't get customer data. In it. No, that's not compelling enough. You know, Apple wanted them so bad. Of course they would. Because then they'd be like, we are the place to go for news. They're like, no, we're good. We're cool, Apple. Apple tried, but it didn't work out. You know also where Apple tried? They tried the HomePod. So as of this recording today, it's Thursday, April the 4th. Apple cut the price of the HomePod officially on its online store by $50. It is now listed at $299 down from $349. And I'm going to tell you right now, sales aren't going to go up that much. (laughs) That thing is still not worth $299 to me. That thing sounds amazing with the Apple tax on it. 199. Fine, 229. But that thing isn't worth 349. It's not worth 299. It's not worth 249. That thing with what it does, with what it's really capable of doing is a 199 speaker to me. I think you get to that point, then I'll then I would tell everyone, you know what? If you're in the Apple ecosystem and you use Siri a little bit, then I'd say because it sounds so dang good, then I'd say it's good. I would have no problem recommending it. $2.99, mm-mm, mm-mm, not gonna happen. Don't do it, don't do it. All right, we love hearing from you all, Apple Bits Nation, and we take your calls, we got a lot of voicemails. You'll be able to tell the ones that were on the phone versus the ones that were sent in, but I just wanna jump into those. You can, again, call us at 833-888-ABXL, that's 833-888-2295, or send us a voice memo, email it away to the Apple Bits Show, sorry, not the, just applebitsshow at gmail.com, that's applebits with a Z. All right, let's get to our first call, talking a little bit about uh, Apple TV. Yo, what up, BTZ? It's this man from Queens. I've been watching your show for since the Apple Vite days, and also glad I found your new podcast that you're doing solo. Anyway, I just wanted to call and say, and pretty much say that I got a new TV, and based on the announcement that was on Monday, um, I want to know if it's worth buying an Apple TV now, or if I should just download the TV app on the LG TV. So I want to know your thoughts and thanks for doing what you do. All right. Look forward to the answer. All right. Uh, thank you so much for finding me. I believe it was Husman, but uh, 
If I said that incorrectly, I apologize. Thanks for, you know, finding me because that's kind of the biggest thing. There's still tons of people that are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you left. I'm like, yo, we here. Okay, so here's my recommendation to you. Don't buy an Apple TV yet, an actual Apple TV 4K box. Because here's the only main reason why you would, if you really like the apps that are on there, um, you know, there are some certain games or workout apps that are on there. The other thing is the ability to listen to your music. If you're part of the Apple ecosystem, that can be a nice advantage to um, podcasts, you know, through Apple's podcast app is in there. It's only if you're really going to use the apps. But if your main thing is just getting access to Apple content and Apple, like the movies you've purchased, TV shows you've purchased, the actual exclusive Apple TV content, then all you need is that Apple TV app. They haven't, again, we haven't seen it yet fully on a TV set. Some companies are starting to beta test it. Um, I can't remember if it was Vizio off the top of my head. I feel like I saw a headline that they were opening it up for people to test out Apple's new TV app. But again, we don't know, will they make, you know, HBO is supposed to be part of the package. Showtime and Stars, at least that'll allow you to subscribe from the Apple TV app. That will be on third-party TVs. So if that's really, if it's all about that, I think, quite honestly, you don't need the Apple TV 4K. And if you're in the market to buy a TV right now, buy that TV, wait it out and see how it plays out. I'm got, I've got to imagine you're not super thirsty for an Apple TV 4K. I think... Um, you know, I will do something on it where this is one of those spaces where I've talked about before, but Apple really slipped up when it came to the Apple TV 4K or the Apple TV. It could have been the center of the home. It could have been that Echo thing, that Google Home thing with an Apple TV built in, but it, it but they decided to go to the HomePod. That's fine. That's what they did. So my advice right now, don't buy an Apple TV 4K at the moment. Let's see what happens how much the Apple TV app actually gives you at the end of the day. And if that is all that suits your needs, then you'll be fine with just what's on the TV, all right? All right, cool. Let's uh, check out our next call. This one's coming to us from Anthony with his take on the Apple Card. BTZ, what's up, man? It's your boy Anthony from California. I wanted to comment about the keynote. The thing I was the least excited for is now the thing I'm the most excited for, and that's the Apple Card. Uh, I'm in the financial services industry, so nothing that they're doing is really revolutionary. They're just making it easy for the customer to see, which I think is a plus. I can't tell you how many times I've had customers come in thinking they have fraud on their accounts because of these cryptic merchant codes. Though the fact that they're getting rid of those and putting the store's name in there I think is huge. Uh, You can touch that and it'll pull up a location on the map and it'll show you where the purchase was made. That's huge for fraud detection. As a customer, you're going to be able to know right away if that was you or not. And the interest calculator, man, again, not revolutionary. You can do it on your own. But the fact that you can actually see it in real time then and there, it makes it simple. Uh, I think that's huge for people that are serious about their financial health. It can help customers get out of debt faster. You're going to have a clear understanding on how much money you're paying the institution for the card. You're empowering the customer. And that's huge. That's a good Apple, man. You can't, com- you can't uh, argue with that. Uh, the one feature that I think they're missing, and I don't know why they don't do this for their iPhone every year program, but this would be the kicker. If you own this card, you get early access to any Apple product pre-order. Uh, before pre-orders go live, maybe a day or two before, you're going to be able to pre-order it yourself just because you have this card. I think that, along with the titanium card, which, I mean, it's shallow, but yes, that's pretty awesome. Those, <laughs> those would be great reasons to get it. Anyway, man, love the show. Keep doing what you're doing, all right? Peace. Okay, uh, Anthony, 
what what is that buttery smooth mic you're using? If that's your phone, I'm gonna be like, dang! But it just sounded really good. But uh, I love what you said. Love all the comments. And yeah, I, it was quite. You know, could you believe it? At an Apple keynote, a freaking Apple card is one of the most compelling thing. Is the most arguably compelling thing that came out of the keynote. That's like crazy to me. That shows how this company has changed. So thanks so much for that commentary and uh, some of that information. Love it. And yeah, I think uh, some of the points you brought up are, are really going to be interesting. And I, I'm, I'm told you already, I will sign up for the Apple card. I just think it's kind of dope. Okay. All right, here we go. We got Andrew calling in. He wants to just, you know, vent, vent about the air power. Let's talk, bro. Hey, Brian. It's Andrew from Florida calling again or voicemailing, whatever. <laughs> Ooh, I have to buy a pitchfork because, you know, air power is dead. Something that I think a lot of us were looking forward to, and especially since a lot of us got the new AirPods just so we could use the air power mat along with our iPhone and Apple Watch, but now it's officially dead. That's a bad Apple. (coughs) It's unfortunate how this product was advertised in, I guess, what, September of 2017, along with the iPhone 8 and iPhone 10 product launch. And then we don't hear about it for a year and a half. And even with all of the product releases from last week, and the fact that they even registered the AirPower trademark in their name and got it from that company, and the fact that AirPower is on the box of the AirPods that I just bought, we don't get to see it. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going to assume that, one, you already discussed it before even playing this, and that I am not the only caller calling about this. Thanks, Brian. Love your show. You know, I I feel like I just wanted to let you vent because I kind of spent a good probably 10 minutes talking about it earlier, but I wanted to show love. So thank you, Andrew. I feel your frustration, and I appreciate the uh, production value with adding your own um, bad bad apple scream, uh, that w- that was quite nice. <laughs> That's a good apple. All right, next call. Hey Brian, Mikhail here, messaging you in from sunny Dubai. Uh, I wanted to bring up something that I don't think anyone has really talked about, which is namely uh, the restrictions and regional uh, closures that iTunes and the App Store uh, puts on uh, its users. Namely, uh, like let's say I was moving, I lived in the UK and I moved to uh, Dubai. Uh, You know, I'd want to switch my payment, I'd have to switch my uh, App Store details, uh, payment details from the UK to the UAE. But uh, when I do that, I lose all my purchases and uh, in the App Store, like I wouldn't be able to access them and access them anymore. Uh, if I were using Apple, music, using Apple Music, then I'd lose all my playlists and all the recommendations and stuff like that, which is like one of the reasons that uh, I haven't uh, subscribed to Apple Music at all. I, I use Spotify because this is not an issue with them. You can change your card details and like let's say song, certain songs aren't available. It doesn't matter. But then like you don't lose all, I don't lose all my recommendations. Uh, so, I mean, this is something that Apple really needs to figure out, especially if, uh, you know, they're pushing so hard on, you know, users to use their Apple TV Plus and the, you know, the App Store subscription service. Uh, and, you know, of course, I know people who move around a lot uh, from country to country. They're, we're in the minority. 
But uh, you know, this is something that's like a, it's a really old system. It's a really way, old way of working, and uh, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Keep up the great work, man. Cheers. Thank you so much for calling. You know what? I'll tell you right now. This actually has nothing to do with Apple. Uh, you know, and you did mention kind of at the end how it. This is an old way of doing things, but this is why content, music rights, uh, movie rights are very tricky. So I'll I'll try and kind of break this down without getting too deep into it, but let people um, just kind of know why this stuff can be so difficult. So let's say you have a new music streaming service uh, when Apple released Apple Music. Well, you first need to get all these licensing agreements. And here in the US, you have the big three music labels. They are Warner Music Group, Universal Music Group, and Sony Music Entertainment. So those three really have to be on board for your service to be competitive to get access to all the artists, you will sign um, agreements with other indie labels to kind of get them on board to get all the, you know, at least a majority of music to start being competitive out of launch. Now, here's the thing, right? When you make these agreements, it allows the labels who own the rights to the content to collect fees. It keeps them in business. The artists get royalties, obviously a lot smaller because it's streaming now. But just because you make a license and agreement with these labels in the U.S., in the U.S. specifically, it doesn't mean it has that same meaning um, in a different country or region. So that's why you have to, let's say, put this in another place like Australia or let's say you want to listen to Apple Music in Dubai. They need to sit down with execs from that same label in a different region and ink a new deal. I mean, I think it was even, was it Canada that didn't get Apple Music until way later? I'm so sorry if I'm off, but I remember a lot of people in the UK and Canada complaining like, well, we don't get Apple Music anyway, so this doesn't matter to me. And yes, because a lot of this stuff comes to the US first, and sometimes, yeah, I do have a large majority of US listeners. We also want to be conscious of all the people that are listening outside of the US. So that's why why it happens, depending on the label agreements. Now, this also affects your favorite TV shows and movies much in the same way. They have to, it comes down to kind of signing agreements with content producers and you just can't make, let's say Apple, even if they put out a, I guess if Apple controls the rights, so for example, Apple's own content, if they are distributing it through their own app, then they can make it more readily available versus let's say, you know, HBO or other shows or other label, other content providers like Time Warner, Universal, things like that, they would still have to sign deals for their for content to be shown in other places. So it is, it has to do when you come down to talking about like TVs and movies, there's fees and residuals that go to studios and actors um, and even some of the staff that makes these movies and TV shows. But also we're talking about advertising and localization. So streaming video services, typically they have to, they have local advertising that is, that they want to support their programming that will show up in those apps internationally. So it just becomes very, very difficult. Eventually it happens, but like over in Dubai where I don't know if it's always windy in Dubai, but it did sound like you might be near a fan or something. I'm just playing with you, but it's not, it's not as easy as like, Hey, we made the show release it to the world. That's why YouTube is kind of also really compelling. You can put out a video or a piece of content and for the most part, the world can see it right away because that's just their platform. Unless you're stealing stuff from other and just using other people's content 
or late major content provider com- content, then it's different. But that's what makes it kind of really tricky. So I hope that kind of answers your question. It's one of those ugly things that happens behind the scenes. And guess what? Those labels and those TV networks and movie uh, studios, they're not going to change that because that is how they make their money. All of it matters. All of it matters. I mean, could you imagine this? Uh, Chris Evans, I remember reading recently, he did the first, he starred in Captain America, the first Avenger. His first contract was for $300,000. Now, yeah, that's a lot of money to pretty much almost all of us listening, most of us. But if that movie is his only job he gets and there's no residuals and, or they, let's say they, you know, they put that movie everywhere, but he gets no residuals from it, no, you know, from other countries and stuff. Well, that's a one-shot movie that doesn't that makes him a nice amount of money that can last him for the next couple few years, but beyond that, no. So, you know, it, it's part of just the way the business works. That's why also you get some people that are in TV commercials that go on and on. They're 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 fine at the end of the day. <laughs> they're doing good. So it's just something that we have to accept as consumers. We don't like it, but it's just the way it works. All right, and our last call is coming to us. Hopefully, I didn't ramble too much on that one. Our last call is coming to us from Josh. This is Josh Carr from Ambler, Pennsylvania. This question is for Nostra Tongas. I'm curious about your thoughts about the future of the iPad Mini. Do you think that they will uh, refresh it again in four years like they did this time or maybe never refresh it again? Um, I did get the new iPad Mini 5. I really enjoy it. Um, I like the form factor and size. As as I've said before, I'd prefer a a 7.9-inch iPad Pro but um, the A12 and the True Tone display and um, all the new, um, you know, under the hood features are really great. Um, I use it for reading books and doing um, continuing medical education videos and questions, and I just love it. And I I really hope they don't um, completely abandon it um, because you really, I don't feel like an iPhone uh, 10S Max or or whatever it's called can replace this size. Um, Anyway, thanks for the awesome show. Bye. Josh, a regular that calls in in our show. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Um, you know what? I think it depends on how this new iPad Mini 5 sells overall. Like I said before, I didn't like the price. I wish it had new tech, but for what the product actually is, I think it's a great product. A very good product. Okay, great is saved for like the high tier stuff to me, but a really good product for what it is. I just didn't like the price of it. So as long as that price doesn't turn away customers, I think we might see one, but it's not like we're going to see an iPad mini get updated every two years, every three years. I think it's going to be a slow burn because realistically, it took them, what, four, four and a half years for them to release a new iPad mini using the same exact body for them. I don't see Apple, because they didn't do it in four and a half years, wanting to invest in new tooling and a new design unless it really sells so well that they can't deny it and they have to do something about it. That's that's when I think they they will so we'll just have to wait and see again apple doesn't reveal sales numbers to us anymore so that will be tricky but if we see a huge uptick in ipads with this latest a new ipad 10.5 inch and the ipad mini in their next quarterly uh numbers which i think they're going to release on the 30th of this month then uh then we'll find out so yeah nerdy fun stuff ipad mini 5 ipad mini 6 i'm gonna go out on a limb and say we do not, I'm going to be totally wrong. But I'm just going to, for now, my gut says, we will not see an iPad Mini 6. 
when we probably will in like five more years. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Remember to call in at 833-888-ABXL, 833-888-2295. Also, I'd love for you to support this show at patreon.com slash Tong. Starting at $2 a month, a cup of coffee is $5 a month. You can go higher. There's different rewards for higher levels. And also, thank you so much to my Platinum Apples for supporting this at the $100 level. Amazing. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, Calvin Fatikar, and Zachary Rivera. Thank you so much for your support. And you all can support the show by continuing. I know how many people watch, listen to the show, and it's a ton. Continue to please five-star review this. Let people know. And I thank you again for everything. So until next time, take care, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.